Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. 2 Kings chapter 7. Are you there? Say amen. Put it up on the screen for me. Now everybody say amen. See, now everybody's there because it's on the screen. Verse number three. Very obscure story. Not a lot of people know about this story. It's actually just a section of an actual greater context in the passage. But there's something I want to pull off the page and help you with. Uh, The Lord put this on my heart about a year ago. Last Sunday... I heard last Sunday was a wonderful time in God's presence. The worship team, God used them greatly. Pastor Jeff delivered the mail, and we had a wonderful time in God's presence. Uh, It is always a blessing for me and a win for me when I can be absent or I can be gone away with my family and things continue to function as normal. That says a lot about our staff, our volunteer teams, our pastors. Y'all give them a hand. I mean, we've got an amazing group of people. Amazing group of people that make things happen. And I can be gone and uh, doing whatever it is that we're doing as a family. In my, in my case, I was taking it easy last weekend and resting. And it's just good to know that things are in God's hands and in hands with a wonderful team here. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to this message because last Sunday while I was at the house just recovering and resting, the Holy Spirit tattooed. He, said, he brought this. He said, you remember that sermon we looked at a year ago? I want you to preach that next Sunday. I said, Lord, you know the timing. You know what we need. Absolutely. 2 Kings 7. Check this out with me. Just a few verses. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. You've got four lepers who are sitting here at the gate of a city. They said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Now, let me tell you why they're making that statement. The the broader context is there's a famine in the land. You and I don't know anything, especially right here in America and Northeast Georgia, about economical disaster in terms of what they dealt with. Shortage of food, shortage of water, shortage of resources. People were, listen to me, people, I'm not talking about they were having to lean on someone else for a handout or assistance. People were dying. They were dropping dead of starvation. They were dropping dead of lack of what they needed to survive. And these lepers come to this city and they make this statement, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore come. Let us fall under the host of the Syrians. Apparently, there was a Syrian army that had set up camp somewhere adjacent to this city. And they said, look, we can sit here, die. We could go in the city. If the famine's in the city, we'll die. Or we could take our chances. We could go over here to the Syrian camp, and we could, we could fall under the host of the Syrians. In other words, we could surrender. 
Not like there's much of a surrender. You're a man ridden with leprosy. You're not carrying around a lot of weapons. You don't have access to a lot of things for security purposes. So you're walking into the camp basically with your hands held up going, hey, we're coming as, hey, we're coming as hostages, prisoners, whatever you want to do. Their thinking was if we surrender, maybe they'll give us some of the food scraps and we can survive. They said if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Can you go to verse number three? When they were sitting at the gate of the city, they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? I want to preach on this topic today. Playing it safe. It's killing me. Playing it safe is killing me. I want to make a personal confession, pastor to people. I do not like to play things safe. I think most of the people in the room that know me on a personal level, those that work with me or serve in ministry, know I do not like to play things safe. In fact, I absolutely despise it. I have a hatred for playing things safe. I do not like being told no. I do not like being told that's risky. I do not like being told that's a chance we can't take because all that does is stir the flames of my insanity (laughs) to want to reach and touch the thing. I've been told don't touch that. I've always been one to jump. I've always been one to take the leap. I mean, heck, before I, I, didn't come, I didn't become a Christian until my senior year of high school when I trusted Jesus, but I was always living by faith to an extent, taking all kind of jumps, blind, stupid jumps, making decisions, spontaneous, impulsive, big vision, big dreams, big ideas. I, and I don't mean this just in a sense of metaphorically or, 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 or relationally. I mean this literally. I remember a time, it, this came to my mind while I was working on this sermon. I remember a time in high school. It was uh, Barnett Shoals Road in Athens, Georgia, far on the east side, not the city side, the rural residential side, on Barnett Shoals Road, and there is a bridge that goes over the Oconee River. And I remember I was standing there with a group of friends, and they were all debating on whether or not they should jump off the bridge. And they were sitting there talking about it, and they were talking about the risk. What if a cop comes by? Well, it doesn't matter if a cop comes by because Derek's daddy is a judge. I said, moreover reason to not jump off the bridge. And then they said, well, here's the deal. If nobody's coming, we can see way up the hill. We can see around the corner. We know if somebody's coming or not. And uh, somebody could jump off. We need to find out if there's any rocks under the water right there. Well, somebody could go down the hill and they could get down there and they could feel how deep it is and we can maybe gauge on whether. And I got tired of everybody talking about it. I got tired of everybody discussing it. And in the middle of them talking, I just walked away from the side of the bridge, walked to the other side of Barnett Shoals Road, and took off running as fast as I can. And I hit that top of the bridge, and I jumped over the side, and they were all like, Dude! and I and landed in the water. 
and it was a story everybody told Derek England jumped off the, the bridge over at Barnett Shoals Road and didn't even look like a boss. He just took off running. He was gone over the edge. That's D. That's how D did it, man. D. And I, I, I've always been like that. And of course, when people start talking about it and you become an urban legend, it makes things even worse because then you're out trying to touch trains that are going 60 miles an hour and stand out of the sunroof while you got the cruise set on 85, all that crazy stuff, right? So I've always been one to do that, but let me, let me explain something to you. Getting, listen, getting saved made it worse. Like, we're going to do a staff outing, and we're all going skydiving here in about two months. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're going to go handle snakes down at the zoo, Pastor Jeff, and pray for them. Serpent seed be saved. No, no. I... I've, all, I've gotten worse since I got saved because now, watch this, this mentality has now translated over into my faith-based decision-making. And I begin to realize soon after becoming a Christian how much risk, chance, and daringness was involved in my relationship with God and the power and principles taught in his word. Like this, this is no longer, I want you to understand something, this is no longer just something part of my nature because following Jesus has made this a lot worse. And I'm at a point now biblically and scripturally, ladies and gentlemen, I have to make another confession. I do not understand, nor can I wrap my mind around how playing it safe is having a place in a life that we're supposed to live by faith. I don't understand how that fits in somewhere to this where it's clear that a believer by definition is someone who bases their life on faith. You cannot separate a biblical believer in Christ from faith. It is now welded to you. You have now merged and married it. It's a part of you. So you cannot say, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus, yet you don't want to anchor yourself in faith-based decision-making. Let me say this further. A believer is someone who has committed their life to making faith-based decisions because it is their heart's desire to follow God. Somebody talk to me this morning. Faith-based decision-making isn't filled with blind, uninformed decisions. That's called foolishness. Faith-based decision-making knows the facts, feels the feelings, confronts the fear, and still steps out on that limb with the Lord and takes a chance and takes a risk knowing that you may have to follow God no matter what the circumstances say. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying this morning. Sometimes you've got to know what the math says, and sometimes you've got to know what people's input is, and sometimes you've got to know know what your gut's telling you. But let me tell you something. You don't go with your gut. You go with your God. And the Bible teaches and tells us that the just live by faith and we walk by faith. Can I preach a little bit right now on a Sunday morning here in June? We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we feel. We don't walk by what the horizon says. We don't walk by what the critics say. If I listen to the critics and I listen to the haters and I listen to the 
naysayers, we wouldn't have a church. I wouldn't be on this platform. We wouldn't be sitting here today. There had to come a day when I drowned out the thunderous noise of hate, doubt, and criticism, and I leaned on the everlasting arms of a God who said, trust in me with all of your heart and lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your path. I wonder if I got somebody on a Sunday morning that can help me rejoice if you know we have a God whom whom we can depend, a God on whom we can trust, a God on whom we can follow. His faith is like an anchor grounded on the rock, grounded on the rock of Jesus. I am thankful, thankful that God lets me live by faith. Not by facts. Not by feelings. Not by fear. By faith. Faith-based decision-making is it's living now what you say you believe. And I want to submit to you this morning that being a Christian will make you this way. This Bible will make you this way. Hanging around these folks will make you this way. Following Jesus will make you this way. Because God called us to faith living, not safe living. There is nobody in this room who says they've given their life to Christ and you've been given a safety exemption. There's nobody in this room following Jesus today and God has divinely assigned you to play it safe. When he extended the invitation, take up your cross and follow me come what may, that address was also aimed at you just like it was them. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that we have been called to sacrifice, not self-preservation. We have been called to surrender, not satisfaction. Scripture is filled where God called people into something that was anything but safe. Risk. Everybody say that word with me. Risk. Everybody say it with me. Risk. Everybody say it like a preacher. Risk. There you go. Risk is part of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Risk comes with the relationship. Risk comes with, you know what's so exciting right now is there are people who are on the edge of their seat in anticipation and expectation because they have already made their mind up that they do not want to be a mediocre man or woman of God. And if God's got more for them in this life, they won't every... There are some people in this room, you couldn't talk them out of it. They're not waiting to heaven to enjoy all that God has. They want it right now because they got a Bible that tells them they can access it right now. And they want to walk in that. They want to hold that. They want to live in that. And they understand that risk comes with a relationship, that risk comes with reward. But they also understand that if you live by faith, risk comes with reliance. People that rely on God are praying people. People that rely on God are believing people. And people that rely on God will act on the things they pray about and the things they say they believe. They will take action. They will not sit there and hold out their little basket, believing that God is somehow going to drop it into their lap. 
Somebody wise told me something a long time ago and said, faith is not praying words. Faith is praying and then putting steps to the words you say. Pray is you living out what you supposedly believe God wants to do. And I dare to say, and I want everybody who is a member of New Grace, I want everybody who's been attending this church who's considering making this church their home, I want everybody to hear it, and I want everybody listening to this podcast later, I want everybody to listen to Pastor Derek say these words. I dare to say that New Grace is ever going to do what God has called us to do if we think we can play it safe and do it. We will never go where God wants us to go, and we will never achieve what he wants us to achieve or be the church that we're supposed to be if we think we can play it safe and get there. God has called us to the faith zone and not the safe zone. I hope I'm monkeying with some of y'all right now. I hope I'm messing. I hope I'm messing with you, with you, with your lunch. And I hope I'm reading your mail. And I'm, I hope I'm all up in your diary. I hope I'm right now just standing on the tip of your toes. I hope, I hope right now God's just, just plugging away in your ear because he has called you away from that safe living. You say, Pastor Derek, where are you getting all this ammunition? Well, I don't know if you noticed the story that we read. But you have four men who had they played it safe, it would have killed them. I didn't read you the rest of the story, but we will quickly endeavor to go through this text because, listen to me, I believe, I believe in this story there are several lessons that emerge for every man or woman this morning in this room who has been hell-bent on playing things safe. If you have a relationship with God, my objective is one-dimensional. I want to mess that up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down concerning our text and your life. This is not a time to sit. This is not a time to sit. Instead, we must rely on direction from God. The Bible says in verse number three, there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to it. You can almost see the collective consensus as they're talking one to another. Why are we going to sit right here until we're dead? Look, if we go into this city and the famine's in the city, we're lepers, we're probably going to die there. And if we still sit here, we'll die also. Now, therefore, come, let us fall under the host of the Syrians, and if they end up taking us alive, we live. Here's a, here's a very profound observation. And if they kill us, we die. All we know, I love this, all we know is we can't sit right here any longer. Anybody feel that way? Oh, yeah. When I had COVID pneumonia and I was stuck in a recliner for weeks on end with oxygen on my face, I thought I was about to lose my ever-living mind. Having to sit still and not be able to do the things that I felt like I was hardwired and programmed to do as a human being about drove me crazy. They make a conclusive assessment and they say sitting right here is not an option. I mean, look, we could sit here, but we'll probably die of starvation. We can go into the city. We have leprosy, which means when we run into the city, everybody runs away from us. Or we can roll the dice, take our chances. We can go to this Syrian camp and maybe we will get some food. Again, sitting is not an option. I wrote this down, ladies and gentlemen. Sitting leads to one definite outcome, death. 
which tells me that sitting is settling. Sitting is settling. It's sad that I have watched so many people over the years, they get so close to what God's wanting to do in their life, and they settle just short of it. I'm talking about people that spiritually die on the brink of a breakthrough. People that die at the gate of something great. People that climb the hill, and when the, the higher the elevation, the more clouds that surround the top of the mountain. And I've seen so many people climb and push and press, and they get to the very top, but the clouds get denser, and the fog gets thicker, and they can no longer see where they're going, and they lose sight of the very top they were trying to reach, and they will quit, but they quit in the clouds. Can I submit to you, you do not have to quit in the clouds. I am preaching to somebody right now, and y'all are being polite. I appreciate it. You, you're, chewing your, you're chewing your feud with your mouth closed. I appreciate that. But you can holler at your boy. It's all right. It'll help me preach this morning. It'll help me a little bit. Because some of y'all right now are this close to what God's trying to do in your life. You are on the brink. You are at the gate. And you are about to listen to a devil that has influenced you to park it, drop your tent stakes, and settle where you are. Can I tell you, there's more on the other side. There is more just beyond the hill. And you ain't got to stop now. You, If you think you've seen God do some things in your life, just wait until you get to the next step in your life. We ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen, I haven't seen nothing yet. Do you believe that this morning? Same time to sit. Instead, rely on direction from God. They're taking a chance, choosing a direction. And here's something that I want you to see in the text that I want you to be able to say to yourself. It's very important you learn how to pay attention to closed doors. See, God's got it like this. God will use elimination for illumination. If I was Stephen Furtick, I'd tell you to tweet that. He, he will use elimination for illumination. Sometimes the way God reveals the way is through a closed door. Because you over here knocking on this door, waiting on this door, praying about this door, thought about picking the lock on this door, thought about wedging something in the door, thought about kicking the door in, barricading the door in. And then it occurs to you, maybe God's the one that shut this door. Maybe this season of my life has expired. Maybe this chapter has already turned pages. Am I preaching to anybody yet? And maybe the closed door is God's way of showing me the right open door. See, sometimes, let me help you. This is a new grace thing. If you don't believe me, stay with our church. Because for years, I've been the most Vegas visionary. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I've been saying that for you. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And I have kept my promise. And we are still not there. I'm talking about vague vision. Can I say something to you? Sometimes all God will give you is general direction. Just, just that way. No specifics. See, I'm not real good at this faith stuff. I can take the initial leap, but I want to know where to put my foot next. 
Is it this relationship? Is it, is it that church? Is it, is it that opportunity? Is it that door? Is it that job? Is it that person? Is it, is it, is it that? And it's almost like God don't even tell you it's right until your foot lands. He just wants you to trust him in the general direction. And you know something else I've noticed kind of like the story? The general direction is usually the most dangerous direction. <laughs> like I know ain't nobody going to cut me open if I sit right here by this gate and just die of starvation. A lot of people don't want to die trying. You know what nobody will ever be able to say about us? Nobody will ever be able to say about this church they didn't try. Nobody will ever be able to say they didn't knock. Nobody will ever, nobody will ever be able to say they had no attempt. You're not going to be remembered for the stuff you never tried. I'd rather be remembered for failure. My God, I'm about to take off running and think about this. I'd rather be remembered for failure than the person who sat there on the bench and talked about everybody else who was trying. Because I'm going to tell you something. You hang around and you watch what God's doing. I might fail 99 times, but boy, on number 100, let me tell you something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You look at my failures say, well, there's 99 of them. Let me tell you something. I got 99 failures. Oh, come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. You just hang on and you just watch because I guarantee you sooner or later we're going to knock on the right door. We're going to watch God open that thing. The hinges are going to break loose. The door is going to swing and God. Hang on with me. Sometimes the general direction is the most dangerous direction. But you know what? I'd rather be going in the general direction and the most dangerous direction with God than the wrong way without him. I'd rather be going in a faith direction with my God than a safe direction without him. And they said, man, we're going to take our chances. We can sit here. If we sit here, we settle here. If we settle here, we die here. But we can take our chances, roll the dice. It's not time to sit. Let's rely on direction from God. The story gets very interesting because then it goes to another level. And this really affects you and I today because the scripture tells us next that it's not time to be scared. Instead, rely on intervention from God. Can we read the text? Can we read the text? Don't be scared. Watch how God intervenes. Go to, uh, is it five? They rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, hold up now, there's nobody there. Now we're talking about thousands of pagan, barbaric soldiers. And they take their chances going to the camp, and when they get there, there's no man there. Verse number six. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And so the Syrian soldiers said one to another, Lo, what an assumption. The king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. This is an assassin assignment. And the Bible says that they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents and their horses and their asses, and even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. I, I wrote this down. The lepers walk into the camp knowing they have no control of the outcome. 
I want to say something. A lot of us don't get where we're going because we're not willing to go there unless we can control the outcome. We got where we are. I got where I am. Many of us have achieved the things we have with God because we took steps of faith against what scares us, relying on God to intervene, knowing we had no bearing on the outcome. The hardest thing to do is, con- is trust God with the uncontrollables. But these guys walk into this army. They walk into this camp, and they're probably thinking, I love this. They're probably thinking as they walk in, this is it. Like, yeah, we're going to roll the dice. We're going to take our chance. We're walking in. This is it, though. Come on, guys, let's be real. It's been fun. But it ain't been real fun, and we're about to walk in here, and we're probably dead. And as they're walking in, the army is running out. The camp is, the camp is, is, is a rather large area. So it, it could be very well, and it implies this in the scripture. While they're walking in on one side, the entire army is running out. And neither one knows that the other was actually even there. So they're walking into the camp going, this is it. These jokers are about to eat dinner. They're counting their money. They're basking in the ambience of the spoils of victory. And then they hear what sounds like several armies coming their way. And they're looking at each other and going, this is it. And they pick up and take off outside the camp. They're walking in thinking they're going to die. They're running out thinking they're going to die. And you just got four leprous men and God made them sound like two entire armies. You're not, you're not, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. As they're walking in, they have no idea how God's going to intervene. All they know is I can't stay right there. We got to get something to eat and I'm willing to take the risk to find what we have. And they go into this camp and as they're walking in, God's messing around with things and moving around things. And by the time they get where they're supposed to be, God's already moved the thing out of the way that was in the way. You're not hearing what I'm saying. (laughs) I wrote this down quickly. You have no idea how God can intervene and bring change to the situation. You have no idea what God can do if he wants to do it. Who am I preaching to in this room? Do you not understand that God can chase things out of town? God can make people relocate. God can move stuff out of the way. God is so much God that he can scare whatever's trying to scare you. And God can make, do we not sing a song around here that says our God is a way maker? that our God can go before us? Do you understand that God is already meddling and messing with your tomorrow before you even go to bed tonight? Has it hit some, I'm about to preach and tear this place up. Has it, has it ever hit you that God is already where you're gonna be? There ain't nothing about next week that has shot God. 
There ain't nothing about next year. God's already sinned 10 years down the road. You ain't hearing me. You ain't hearing me. I'm thinking I'm about to have a glory spell right now. I'm talking about a happy bubble coming on. Happy bubble coming on right now. I'm talking 12, 13 years ago when I was unplugged from ministry, when I had walked away from God and thought I would never be used again, thought I would never preach again, thought I would never walk with the Lord again. You know God saw today, back then, when I couldn't see a way out, God already saw on the other side. Is that ever hit you? You remember when Jesus in Mark chapter 6 put the disciples into a boat, pushed them off into the middle of the sea, and the Bible says a storm came, and the disciples forgot how they were going to survive while they were in the middle of the storm. They had forgotten what Jesus said when he put them in the boat. When he put them in the boat, he said, I'll see you on the other side. Sometimes we get in the middle of the mess and we forget the same God that put us into the ship is the same God that can walk on water, calm the wind, calm the waves, calm the rain, and get us safely to the other side. I don't know about you, but I've never seen him break one promise. I've never seen him miss an appointment. I've never seen him drop the ball. Last time I checked, he had a perfect record. He was undefeated. And you couldn't beat God out of anything. He's a God you can not stop. Somebody help me bless him this morning. If you know that God can make a way. Bless his holy name. I've seen him do it. I've seen, I'm watching right now in my eyes. God going before people in this room. God doing things that don't make sense. God doesn't pull the audience. He doesn't try to figure out what looks best to you. But he's got a way beyond all ways to do what he does and make a way out of no way. God goes over and makes these guys here four, three, two armies. And the Bible says as they're leaving the camp, the lepers are entering the camp. And I have to remind myself, it is not my job. Listen, it is not my job, neither is it yours, to always determine the outcome of the uncontrollable. Ma'am, ma'am. Let yourself off the hook. You couldn't save your soul. How in the world are you going to preserve it? You can't, tr you can't trust him to save you from a hell you ain't ever seen and a hell you've never, and a heaven you've never visited. But you can't trust him for just a chapter of your life that's going to involve risk and chance. If he's God for your eternity, he's God for your tomorrow. If you believe that, give him praise in this house. Come on, somebody. Come on, Jackson. Let's. As Pastor JJ comes, let me, let me give you the last one. If you're a note taker, I appreciate you staying with me. It's not time to sit. Rely on God's direction. It's not time to star. It's not time to be scared because God's going to intervene. Last one. It's, it's not time where we're going to starve because you can rely on God for provision. Look at verse 8. Here's the last part of the story. When the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, now remember, the Syrians are gone. They come into the camp and they go into one tent and ate and drank and carried then silver and gold and raiment, which is clothing, and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. One of the observations that I've made from this is that 
Instead of dying in a famine, these guys show up in this camp, stepping out by faith. And everything, watch this, everything they needed was right there at their disposal. <laughs> this, this is for new grace. It's for all them people who have stayed with me and this church and what the Holy Ghost has been doing from when we were in a shopping center. <laughs> Speaking of closed doors, y'all want to know? Y'all want to know when I knew that God wanted us out of the shopping center? The day we moved out. I was holding out. God, you could do anything. Somebody could come and give us $3 million and say, buy it from them jokers. The construction, the construction crew that was coming in there and remodeling the whole thing, that was standing on the doorstep waiting on us to get our stuff out, they could all got dysentery. God could have killed the owners of the shopping center. The day we were moving out was the day I said, all right, you want us out. And I closed the door. I didn't sit there and try to knock on it again. I didn't tug on the handle. God, you're showing me this is no longer the way. Be careful what you try to marry. Be careful what you put a ring on. Because some stuff's supposed to be seasonal. Some stuff ain't supposed to last forever. And you know what? There's a lot of people that, that, that we haven't seen in years because they married a season. They married a moment. God, I'm, I'm, pre I'm preaching. Lord Jesus, help me preach this word, Holy Spirit. They were married to a moment, and they got infatuated with a feeling of an instant. Instead of the God of the church, they got married to a group and a season of the church. We moved on. And I'm telling you, listen to me, for all them people who stayed with us through going to Sunday nights at Southside, and then one day I look at you and say, hey, God's made a way. It don't make any sense. It ain't around the corner. It's up in Baldwin. I'm not even sure if Jesus knows where that's at, but we're going to find out. We go into Baldwin. And there are some people like, I, listen to me, I am, I am so excited for all of the people who started coming to New Grace over the last few months since we got here. It is awesome seeing what God's doing in your life. I love the fact we're reaching North Banks County and Habersham in this area. I love it. I think God's got, I think we're on to something. But there is a special place in my heart for so many people who stayed with me because they believed we were going somewhere. We did, sun, we did Sunday nights at somebody else's church in a shopping center for a year and a half, about killed us. You know, I'm walking in there, bless God, with that whole, you know, plastic Christian face. <laughs> Isn't God good, amen? Yeah, I mean, I'm mad as the devil, wore out, thinking this is going to kill our church. All the things we went through, we, I don't know how we're surviving. This is going to be it. And God made a way. And here we are. Got it built out. Looks like an underground club from the 80s. Man, I'm telling you, God's, God's taking care of us. Here's what's cool. Here's, here's, so, here's what's so cool. And it mirrors the same thing you see in the story. 
These guys didn't show up somewhere and then wait on God to provide. What God provided was waiting on them. You're not hearing me. It means while they were walking, provision was waiting. Listen, whatever God's going to do next, it's already there. It's already, it's already there. And, and I believe, I believe when they walked into the camp, oh, they could smell fried chicken. Country fried steak. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Bless God, you know them, you know them Syrian camp. You know they was eating pork ribs because they weren't Jews. Boy, them, them pagan Gentiles, they was eating pork ribs. They had brisket and pork ribs, all that good stuff. And these lepers come in there. And every and I, be, I believe that God's provisional timing was so perfect that when they walked into the camp, all the food was the right temperature. I believe all the tea had already cooled off. I believe when they went in that one uh, wardrobe tent that there were four different sizes of clothing already waiting on them in four separate suitcases. I guarantee you when they went over there into the treasury tent, all the passcodes and pin codes were all laid out on a spreadsheet and the Wi-Fi was public. <laughs> Everything just sitting there waiting on them. All, almost like when they were contemplating, do we just stay here and die? God was getting ready to make some noise and have everything sitting and waiting on them. If God can do that for four lepers who don't even know the God of Yahweh, what is to say that God hasn't already gone before you and this is just God's way today, relaying through this bald, bearded preacher. You ain't going to starve. You ain't going to starve. Look at me. Look at me, New Grace. We ain't going to starve. He's going to take care of us. I promise you every need will be provided. Oh, I wish I had somebody want to get on board with what I'm saying right now. If you believe that God is able to provide every need and supply it, God is not broke. God is not bankrupt. His accounts are not overdrawn. He is rich beyond all riches. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills. He is the great God of all resources. He is the God that can supply every one of your needs according to his riches and glory. I wish I had somebody this morning wanting to help me preach up a new grace. If you believe the half has not yet been told and we ain't seen nothing yet, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. I need somebody this morning to help me rejoice if you believe God's got what you need in his hand. He is a provider. He is a supplier. Watch, 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 and walk it out. God is going to set up camp. Somebody help me bless him. My God, he's going to take care of us. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.